Hey, this is Mark and welcome back to the table. So glad you decided to join us. I want to talk about something, specifically the law or the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. There's so much confusion around those specifically. I mean, I grew up in a religion <clears throat> that used the Ten Commandments all the time. And the Ten Commandments were basically warnings, like we were taught them in a way that said, hey, we know you're like this, and this is what it says not to do, because that's what's in you to do, and if you do them, you're in trouble. And I never really understood them. So because of that message, I felt like the whole time God was against me. So I wasn't really excited necessarily to spend time with God because I believed every time I was spending any time with God, whether that was in church or praying, you know, reading my Bible or doing something spiritual, I felt like I was under a microscope, uh, more specifically a magnifying glass. And I don't know about you, some of you may be younger, uh, but growing up, you know, we all had magnifying glass and I hate to admit it, but we would go outside specifically on a warm summer day find a bug or something on the ground and, you know, kind of hold that magnifying glass just right and fry the bug or catch a piece of grass on fire or paper or whatever. And that's how I felt the Ten Commandments were in my life. They were like things that peered into me and literally just set me on fire with the anger of God. So because of that, I didn't believe God was a good father. Why would I draw near to him? You know, if you had a dad that every time you said hello to him, he found something wrong with you and hit you with a belt or something, which is unfortunately some of your experiences, you really wouldn't be apprehensive anytime you heard his voice in the house or when you heard his car door close when he came home from work. You know, you'd try to avoid him at all costs so as not to, you know, infuriate his um, unpredictable mood. Or if you had a good dad who, you know, was always coming home to bless you and bring you a gift after a trip or to every time he saw you, tell you he loved you and hugged you and embraced you and told you what you were, you would be excited when he came home. And see, that's that's our perspective. Our perspectives dictate how we are going to respond to the heart of God. And so. You know, for years, I thought the law was telling me all the things that I was. You know, I was an adulterer. I was a liar. You're a thief. I mean, I remember it became really popular in evangelical circles to use the law to convict people of sin. And so they'd get up and say, have you ever committed adultery? Um, and someone would say, no, you know, I've never done that, of course. You know, I've been faithful to my wife. And so, well, have you ever looked at a woman with lust? And if you have, you're an adulterer. Or, you know, have you ever told a lie? And someone would, of course, everybody would probably say, yeah. Have you ever stole anything? You know, and some people would say no. And have you ever taken a paper clip without asking for permission? You're a thief. And because of that, God's angry at you. And I mean, literally, this is how a lot of the church talks about the law. And so, you know, that's how we feel. You know, you got a culture today that's completely lost in their identity because they don't know who they are. They've always been told what they're not. And so what if I was to tell you that the Ten Commandments, the law, was not actually things that we are, but they were reminders of what we were not. That when God was saying this to them, he was reminding them, hey, don't commit adultery because you're not an adulterer. Don't lie because you're not a liar. Don't commit murder because you're not a murderer. Don't bear false witness against someone else because you're not like that. 
you know, and there's more there in the 10, you know, we would see that differently. You know, it'd be like a, a kid who disobeys his parents and does something embarrassing to dishonor the family. And the father brings him home and is like, look, son, I know you did that, but that's not who you are. Who you are is, and then using their family name to describe them, you're my son. And this is, this is who we are. That actually is the greatest form of correction and conviction that there is. So to really bring this home, I have to actually go all the way back again to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis when God is creating man. And it says that he creates man in his image and his likeness. So they were created in his image, meaning they bear the nature of God. They, they carry the essence uh, and characteristics of who God is and also his likeness, meaning that they are, you know, just like him. Just like I can look at my hands now as being a little bit older and, and I could see my dad's hands, you know, over the years, there are certain attributes about me that are, are that are like my father. And and that's what God is saying there. He's creating them in the, his image and his likeness. So he sets them up in this garden where God comes and has fellowship with them. He meets with them. There's provision for them. They have, you know, dominion over everything. They're able to even be creative and name animals. So there's all this aspect of the God nature. They're literally put in the garden to be imitators of God and to show the earth what God is like. And so it says that the serpent, who's more subtle than any beast of the field, comes. And I think that word subtle there is important because it's not the huge things that set us off course, but it's the little lies that we believe that have the biggest potential to set us on a course of shipwreck as it comes to our identity. And so he says, if you eat of this tree, you know, um, the serpent does, which God told them not to eat of, the knowledge of good and evil. So it's not just evil that can potentially harm us, it is also good, you know, believing in our own ability that we have the, that we fully understand what good is and what evil is when we really don't a lot of times. And so God tells him not to eat. The serpent comes. He says, if you eat this, you will be like God. Well, they already were created in the image of God. So that was really the sin of the world was to embrace that lie that if they do something, they will be like God. So it's literally, okay, God creates you, you're perfect, you're righteous, you're holy, but hey, listen, if you do a little something or add a little something to it, it's gonna all be okay. But what that does is it brings a lie into their mindset that they're not good enough. So instead of constantly being aware of the person of Jesus, they become more aware of their insufficiency, their sin, their shame. All of a sudden it says they were aware that they were naked and so they hid themselves. And really what that's saying is they realize that they are exposed before God, but God already knows everything and he's not mad at us, but they believe the opposite. So they go and they hide and they became more aware of sin or what the Bible talks about as sin consciousness instead of their right standing with God. See, sometimes in the church and in our spiritual life, we're just aware of the wrong things. The law was never meant to condemn us, but to remind us who we were. There was nothing wrong with it. Paul calls it holy. But yet over time, they added like, I think it was 686 different things to that. And it becomes this ministry of death and this constant circle circus that they can never keep. It literally veils them from the revelation it was intended to point them to, which is, hey, you're not those things. This is who you are. And it becomes the very stumbling block to keep them from seeing the reality of God.
See, we can't keep the law because we believe that we weren't able to because it's not who we were. But see, the law can't perfect. So the law can remind us of what we're not, but it can never bring us into justification in our own mind. And it can never bring us into the perfection that God desired. It's not the law of liberty. It's not the law of life. It's not the power of the resurrection. See, Jesus is the mirror and lens in which we look through to see what we really look like. He said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Well, Jesus was a man because Jesus came to the earth to show us what the Father was like so that we could see who we really are, so that we could return to that revelation in the garden that we are on earth as sons and daughters to reveal the goodness of God. So Jesus has to change this whole thing. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit says the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. So Jesus came to to the earth to give us a new covenant to reveal who we actually have always been. Like I've said in previous podcasts, God didn't send Jesus into the earth to change God's mind about us, but to change our minds about God and ourself. Because when we realize that the same standing that Jesus has with the Father, we have as the Father has loved me, so do I love you. And so we don't try to perfect ourselves like they did in the Old Testament through the law. We don't try to take the Ten Commandments and try harder and do more and be better. No, God's given us a Holy Spirit. He said, in that day, you shall ask whatever you desire and it shall be given unto you. What day is he talking about? He's talking about the day that the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in us, in the fullness of the, he, it says that in him was the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Do you realize that you have the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form as well? See that Jesus lives within you. So the New Testament law of life is not a life we have to keep, but a life that keeps us. It's not a, a, a law that brings condemnation. Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin. What is that? What is the sin of the world? False identity. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us that we're not those things that we thought we were, but we're actually all the things that God said to convict us of righteousness. How does he do that? He reminds you that you are righteous as Jesus is righteous. You know, that the righteousness of God was revealed in Christ, that you are righteous. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. He comes to convict the world of judgment. Well, Jesus said, like I said in the last podcast in John 12, when he rode into Jerusalem, it's, he said the judgment of this world has come. He wasn't talking as a landlord or a judge that needed some kind of penalty. See, we've made the cross of Christ into a legal payment for a, for, uh, a crime committed rather than a medical issue and a rescue. He didn't come to destroy you. He came to heal you and make you new, to make you a new creation. So the Holy Spirit in our life is reminding us of who we are. So if you deviate from the path and forget who you were and begin to live a certain way, Holy Spirit doesn't come with the magnifying glass to burn you in the hot sun of God's anger. No, he comes to remind you who you are and who you've always been in his eyes. Just like in the book of James, when it talks about, you know, the the word that people turn away from it, forgetting who they were, it's a mirror. And it says they forget 
their their birth. And the word birth there, or the or the face of their birth, is the word nativity, which we get the understanding that Jesus' birth was our birth. We have to go all the way back to before the world was ever created to understand that we were birthed in the heart of God before we ever did anything in this earth right or wrong. Jeremiah says, I knew you in the womb yet before you were formed. That God has a dream for us before we ever stepped into Adam's nightmare. And there's nothing that was done in Adam to lose you that Jesus or that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit didn't do in Jesus before Adam was found to forever keep you and hold you. So when we look at the law that way, we see the progression that God had to move in a new covenant and a new priesthood and a new law of life because we were still seeing ourselves through the lens of what we are not rather than what we are. And the primary purpose of Jesus coming was to remind us of what we forgot. I hope this blesses you. And if you're encouraged by it, feel free to share with others and with your friends. Um, and I just, I just hope that you're growing and your understanding of the love of the Father for you. And as the love of the Father grows in you, that you understand that you begin to have a love for yourself. You know, love your neighbor as yourself, but you can't love yourself until you realize how loved you are by God. So hope you have a great day and uh, bless you. I hope you're encouraged.